Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 139th week of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. This is our first episode of the week. Uh, no Wyatt this week, unfortunately, so it's just the four others, myself, Jared, Lucas, and Aiden. Um, as always, let's start with some news that we missed. Um, so recently, this was on ESPN, right, Lucas, or Sports Center. There is a college football program valuations were posted, and the top three were Texas, Texas A&M, and Michigan. Uh, did anybody have any opinions about that? Was that surprising? I still, I still never get the Texas A&M one. Like I get Texas and Michigan, like historically great programs, high NFL success rate, huge stadiums and fan bases like across the country. Texas A&M, I never get why it's such a big program. Like they've been historically like fine. They've been recently fine. Their NFL success rate is fine, but I don't think it's any different than like any other middle of the pack like type of school like that. Like I don't know, throw in the the Tennessees of the world or the Floridas of the world. It kind of, even less than Florida because they haven't been as good recently. Like it just, I don't get why it's like always considered one of the biggest brands. Like I don't know anybody who's a Texas A&M fan outside of <laughs> Texas. Well, yeah, but it's Texas. There's, yeah, there's enough in Texas to make up for that, I guess. That's true. That's true. And when you're I in College with... Station, like, what else are you going to do? <laughs> that's true. Like, I don't but think yeah, the fact I just... that the top two are from Texas is a coincidence at all. I, I, yeah, I think that's correct. Are those the two biggest Texas schools, by the way? I I feel like they are. um, Like by by enrollment, you mean? Yeah, by enrollment. Texas A&M is huge, too. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It just just surprises me that like like an Ohio State or a Notre Dame or a USC or even like a Florida or a Georgia like isn't higher, you know? Yeah, Yeah, Notre Dame at eighth is a little surprising. Mm -hmm. I thought we might be top five. Florida at nine is my biggest surprise. I don't really think of them necessarily as a big brand, but they're up there. Yeah. Also, Bart, I feel like I was talking to you about this. Like, what is the valuation here? Or what's the, like, how are we determining this? Because it feels like these are undervaluations. When you look at, like, sports teams, what they sell for, like, professional sports teams, like, Mm -hmm. it's almost always in the multi-billion dollars at this point. Mm -hmm. You really can't convince me that Bama isn't worth, like, a billion dollars. I feel like they they're worth mm-hmm. so much money like yeah and i'm not yeah. really basing that off of facts but the amount of people that they get at their games mm-hmm. the amount of tv coverage the amount of whatnot mm-hmm. it feels like it's worth more than the you know hundreds of million or is you know 100 million 150 million that it seems like most of these programs are valued at right mm-hmm. yeah no i totally agree it'd be cool if they posted their methodology and not just the numbers but <laughs> i could i could research paper on the yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, anyway, though, speaking speaking of Notre Dame and being undervalued, Notre Dame feels that it is undervalued with its TV contract because that is currently a worth of $22 million. They are looking for one more in the ballpark of $75 million. So that would be a big jump. 
Uh, I think it, that's fair, though. I mean, Notre Dame is Notre inflation. Dame. Inflation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's crazy. That's just like the like, just like the energy it takes to go into somewhere and be like, I demand triple what I'm making yeah. now. Is crazy to me. Apparently, they want it. Like NBC said, they'd only even consider it if they like paired it with the, like another conference. So it's like, so it can lead into other games. So like Notre Dame would play at two thirty, and then like there'd be a Big Twelve game at afterwards or something like that so i don't know i think notre dame last signed its contract with nbc back in like 2012 as well so that's kind of a long time Mm -hmm. that's true yeah but are they more or less relevant right now than they were in 2012 i think more just as relevant or yeah we're just as relevant they were they were coming off a a surprisingly good job at remaining relevant despite their i don't know flops and important games they're still always there brian kelly is behind us now that's, over the last that's 10 right. years, I think they have like the third or fourth most wins of any college football program over the last 10 years. There you so. go. Not the first time we're going to mention inflation in this episode, so watch out. <laughs> okay. Teaser. I'm so curious. Okay. Uh, let's move on, though, for now. Um, MLB All-Star Weekend, uh, well, I, I would say just wrapped up, but it's technically still ongoing because I think the All-Star game is still being played right now. Is that true? Um, yes, that's true. Y- yeah. So if the game is tied after nine innings, they will do a three versus three home run derby. Each player gets three swings. So when I saw this, I thought it was the just using the results of the other home run derby. This is cooler. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's really good fun. for baseball. Mm-hmm. Some would say. <laughs> Absolutely good for baseball, Wyatt. It's like the equivalent of a penalty shootout in like soccer or hockey. Like I feel like, and which yeah. is maybe not the most fair way to decide it, but it's a fun way to decide it. Yeah, it's a fun so. way. Nobody wants to play like 15 innings of an all-star game. Let's be honest. I'm actually surprised that they even do the full nine for this. Cause like <laughs> nobody, nobody really needs that. Well, that's be a real yeah. game though. So yeah. 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 It's funny though. Cause it, no, it actually means something. I mean, mm-hmm. like it's, mm-hmm. you know, game seven would be at whoever wins this, whoever wins this three on three home run derby, um, <laughs> which is kind of funny if it does, if it does go to extras. And I hope it does. game okay. seven happens which is a lot to ask um, <laughs> yeah that'd be pretty funny to see the the you know i'm sure the opposing team or whoever loses out as a result of that will be a little bit uh but incensed <laughs> we'll get better home runners yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but speaking of the actual home run derby juan soto won his first one uh there was some controversy though because espn slash mlb missed slash forgot to count one of kyle schwarber's home runs in his round against albert pujols they hate philadelphia (laughs) (laughs) nice i was curious like what conspiracy was going to come out of that (laughs) (laughs) they hate joel Embiid. they hate kyle schwarber what why do they hate joel Embiid? like what's the evidence that points you to he should be a back-to-back mvp so that's the MLB's <laughs> fault. <laughs> the, the, the collective sports universe yeah, hates know. Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, okay, yeah. So for those who don't know, had Schwarber's home run total been counted correctly, he would have had a sudden death with Pujols, and he was the second favorite to win the whole thing. So tough. Um, but yeah, it's funny because Juan Soto. Oh no, sorry. Go ahead, Aiden. No, I was just going to say that was funny because I think Pujols went first straight and they did the whole like goodbye essentially to Pujols. Like it was a whole big <laughs> moment. <laughs> like, like, oh, like, you know, he's a legend. Like they were doing the whole, you know, like this is his last round. And then he ended up winning that round. <laughs> Still <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Remember you know the trend in the MLB? No, go ahead, Lucas. With Juan Soto, 
Um, he turned down this week a 15-year, $440 million contract. Whoa. That's just, like, Dude. ludicrous number. Like, a 15-year yeah, contract. Right, like, because by average value, I think it was only, like, it was in the, the 20s of in terms of rank of the highest average value, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. contract mm-hmm. in the MLB. So it's just funny that it was that long. I think he, yeah. he might be worth more than that. The Dodgers will pay him more than that. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'll be there eventually. <laughs> He's 23, right? So like it makes yeah, sense in that. Yeah, yeah. But it, mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, and then now I've read that he's potentially on the trade block, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then last but not least, the British Open just happened. Cameron Smith of Australia won his first major ever after being eight under on the final day. So poor Rory Ooh. lost again. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Rough day. Oh. One last yeah. thing I know I want to bring up about Juan Soto. I just pulled up his Wikipedia <laughs> page. He's got an all-time great sports nickname too. It's Childish Bambino, which I think oh. is which is a good one. You got the little Babe Ruth thing. You got the the Childish Gambino reference. He's hip. I'm a fan. That's fantastic. He's hip. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, if, he, if he gave that to himself, he's hip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoever gave it to him is hip. Yeah. Anyway, like Paul George saying he's playoff P. <laughs> anyways Pandemic <tea>. uh <laughs> on that note speaking of the nba let's let's dive into our first topic in the nba that is about deandre ayton who just got peyton he was a restricted free agent this offseason the pacers boldly offered him the highest rfa offer sheet ever which was for four years 133 million but then the suns matched it so now he stays with the suns so lucas let's throw it to you just generally speaking, was this the right move by the Suns to match? Yeah, I think it is. And I think it's just because the Suns were in a situation where they know their choice but to sign him. And like, I think the, the, like, the comparable situation is the Sixers with Harden, in which it's like maybe it's not the ideal situation, but you're going to set yourself back pretty far as a team if you let that player walk just because of what the player's done for you and how your team is structured. And like, you know, say what you will about Aiden, but I think he's like a far above average NBA center. He's not Jokic, he's not Embiid, but he averages 17 points a game. He averages 10 boards a game. He's a decent enough three-point shooter, 35-36%, which is decent, again, for a center, especially in the modern NBA. And he's a he's a pretty good but not great defender. Again, like, not a defensive player of the year type guy, but somebody who's, like, a good rim protector and, you know, will disrupt things a little bit on defense. Um, Aiton is a guy, too, who I think his production would be hard to duplicate, um, and I think he kind of fits nicely as like the third ish option on a title winning team, which is exactly what he is now. So I think like just for what Aiden is, like he fits perfectly in what the Suns want to do and they sort of needed to keep him. The only other question is like, was he worth like this much money? I think the answer is probably slightly no, but I think they're in a position where they still have to pay it. Like there's just nobody else who was available who was like a comparably good option. Like I guess like Miles Turner was the name a lot was that was thrown a lot around a lot as like a replacement but i don't think he'd be you know I, he wouldn't do near what Aiton did and for like even after even having to overpay a little bit i still think it's the right move to stick with Aiton because yeah he fits really nicely on the team he played great in their finals run up until the finals and i think that like he fit, yeah he just fits nicely with what they do and even though it involves a little bit of an overpay i think they made the right move yeah i agree with that i think it's interesting that the pacers would have gone out on a like you know, branch to offer something to Aiton when they do have Miles Turner at the moment. It seems like it'll just, they, 
I would have assumed that the Pacers knew that the Suns will match this, as ridiculous mm-hmm. as the contract is. Um, and the fact that they did that, given that they already have Miles Turner and are probably just annoying him now, is interesting. It does feel like both teams just kind of handled it poorly on that end, where they like kind of pissed off their center by showing mm-hmm. that they didn't super value them. Yeah, because that is kind of the question with Aiton at this point, is, is he... I don't know there was that whole controversy at the end of the playoffs where he didn't play a lot towards the end of that series with the Mavs, mm-hmm. and now this like clearly the Suns don't really want him. They just kind of were like, I guess, I guess we have to, and I wonder how that'll play out in the in the near future. I feel like as long as he's getting his playing time, it'll play out mm-hmm. fine. Like we've seen instances. For example, like the in the Bulls dynasty, right, the last dance and everything, Scottie Pippen mm-hmm. having issues kind of with the GM, mm-hmm. but as long as everything's cool with the team, a lot of times they can kind of mend paths at least enough to where they can play really good basketball. And when you think about the fact that, you know, two seasons ago they were only two games away from winning the NBA Finals, I agree mm-hmm. with Lucas's assessment that I don't know what other option they have with, like, Chris Paul always getting older, Um and maybe he's going to be a playoff liability again, but still, I think you take that chance once again, mm-hmm. unless, and like, it seems like there's not really a market for somebody like KD. Apparently the Suns was one of his preferred trade destinations, but I don't know if this is some sort of sign and trade play right here, but it seems like the market's not very hot for KD right now, at least in terms of feasibility in making that deal. So I do feel like I agree, Lucas, that what was your other option? You know, you kind of, you just had to do it. I, th- I think I read that the Suns literally are not allowed to trade him mm-hmm. until January. So I, I didn't realize that. I thought that there was still mm-hmm. a chance they would get Duran after doing this, but probably not at this point. Yeah. And I think. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's. Like, like, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Aiden. No, I was just going to say that Aiton can veto a trade for the next year, even, mm-hmm. which is a, another thing. Okay, but but on that note, I I wanted to say he like did you see his quote about what like his his recap of what happened? He he was like the Pacers like I was really loving their energy and they like showed me a lot of love and they like went out and they showed then they were aggressive, but now I'm with the Suns and like the way I read it was like he was like actually very un- underwhelmed by having to stay in Phoenix and he wanted to go to Indiana. So mm-hmm. I feel like if he did get put on the trade block, he would not be super. Uh, mm-hmm. hesitant or he, he would be hesitant to veto it because I honestly think yeah. he doesn't want to be there like that yeah. th- like why wouldn't he just sign with the Pacers then well he, he didn't have a choice right he, he yeah. can't okay it, when you're a restricted free agent oh yeah he's restricted yep right yeah yeah so like if this if your already team offers you the same that another team does you have to like keep it gotcha that makes sense I, I think people have said that, like, he, he has apparently complained about how he gets used on the offense and, like, Monty Williams isn't, you know, letting him reach his full potential <laughs> and all that jazz. So I feel like they definitely need to make it a priority to try to mend mend that relationship, like we were saying, because I think he, he is unhappy and I think yeah. he could be better. Like, he could put up better numbers, but... Mm-hmm. For Indiana, for an eight seed. Or a... mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the trade-off. Mm. I don't know. People were salivating over the possibility of him and Tyrese Halliburton playing together. Mm. I do uh, think that would be a good combo. Yeah, I can see it. But yeah, like like you said, Miles Turner would have been mad. <laughs> so good. yeah, it just like in general the whole. I don't know how often you see restricted free agents actually end up not being retained by their team. I feel like in general they are retained, and so it, it interests me why another team sometimes will bid on them. 
Like what's, it seems like it's maybe a, you know, a poker play to some degree. Yeah. Who knows? No. I mean, it, yeah. Can't hurt. Well, like, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's possible that the Suns, I mean, it's, it was clear that the Suns did not have a great relationship with Aiton. So maybe the Pacers were actually betting on, you know, the, the small possibility that they let him go. It's a very public maneuver, which is hard. One other question I want to ask here before we move on. The the West, obviously, the Warriors came out of the West. They just won. Uh, some some teams that weren't healthy are going to be more healthy next year, like the Clippers and the Nuggets. The Suns probably thought that they have a chance to run it back on their finals run, obviously, by re-signing Aiton. Do we think that they are actually still contenders in the West next season? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Definitive. Okay. I, yeah, I would I feel be like a little bit more hesitant to say yes, but sorry. Aiden. I just think that the like last year's run was a bit of a mess, the playoffs in particular, but it felt a little bit fluky. And mm-hmm. yes, CB3 will be older, but they do have a, a fair amount of that core is young. Booker and Mikel Bridges and Cameron Payne, Cam Johnson. It seems like they're gonna have pretty much the you know the main squad back, and that's that's big. They're they might be the favorite in the West. I feel like. I mean, how many they won sixty five games last year? Yeah, sixty four games. Yeah, I mean the Warriors that are just getting matter. older. You know, I mean Jordan yeah. Poole aside, the Warriors and are in that championship older. window. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not a star Poole's though, according backwards. to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by that. <laughs> Huh. Before we move on, I do want to get my inflation reference in since I, oh, it didn't work naturally into this segment. <laughs> <laughs> I, if we were going to talk about KD's trade value and stuff like that, I would say that like, like inflation is so much worse in NBA trade value now than it is like anywhere else in society because like after the Rudy Gobert trade, like just like the the price for anything is like crazy. I feel like and just like if you're comparing, like Rudy Gobert is good, but like. KD is clearly much better and would, like, I think just demand such a high price that, like, no team can basically pay it at this point. Yeah, and he's not, like, a he's not Juan Soto, who's 23. He's 34, and so you have to balance that, like, whole win-now thing. He's obviously worth a ton for the next two or three years, but I feel like no one has the assets. No one, one, like, has the assets to get him now and also thinks that it's worth it to trade those assets given that he's 34 yeah yeah i think the nets are just going to get humbled and then their price is slowly going to come down and down and maybe it'll work out where their price keeps going down until january and then there's something <laughs> to trade anyway who knows that's what i was thinking <laughs> that'd be too. crazy it's possible you never know possible. i mean it's not i don't think it's a given at all that durant gets shipped this offseason yeah. so yeah um okay but let's let's move on our token once per month mlb talk um specifically this one makes sense today because why it's gone <laughs> so two mlb minnows as i saw them described which i just think is the funniest thing ever the orioles <laughs> and the mariners have both heated up recently after both being below 500 they are competing for the final al wild card spot so the orioles went on a 10 game win streak and they won 11 of their last 13 before the all-star break meanwhile the mariners have the league best 14 game win streak so jared let's throw it to you which one of these two teams is more impressive recently, and do you think both of them, or either of them even, have a chance to maintain it for the second half of the season? 
Well, of course, I'm going to say the Mariners. I'm going to say the hometown team that is three hours away from me. But the Orioles at least have some sort of of history to them. The Mariners do not know what winning is. They haven't won a playoff series since 2001. So this is much more impressive. It's the longest um, playoff series drought, I believe, in like professional sports currently Um, since 2001. And the talk around the Mariners, though, is that they're a fun team. They make baseball fun, and I'm all about that. Um, so in addition to their 14-game winning streak, they've won 22 of their of their last 25. So I think that's a, a little bit nicer sample size than what I've seen from the Orioles, which is why it's been a little bit more impressive for me. And I also think the Mariners have a better chance of keeping this up than the Orioles um, for a couple of reasons. First reason, Julio Rodriguez. His nickname is J-Rod, which also is one of my nicknames, so super sick. Um, he's the front runner for the American League Rookie of the Year. He plays center field and um, was the runner up in this in the home run derby. Obviously, by the way, just by being the runner up in the home run derby, he made seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and his contract this year is seven hundred thousand dollars. So he made more than yeah. his con. He made more in one day than his entire season. Yeah, that's how it was for that's Pete Alonso. Both times he won the home run derby. Really, it was more than his contract at the time. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> But you got some young talent there that's kind of anchoring the team, which is really nice. Um, a lot has been made about the Mariners' early season losses potentially being a fluke because they had to travel a lot, and that's kind of been a scapegoat for their early season woes. So, for example, their first road game that was played in the Pacific time zone was on June 21st. So they were on the wow. road a, a lot, and obviously – there's not even that many teams in the Pacific time zone to begin with. It's going to be more stressed out as you're on the West Coast, as you're a West Coast team. But now it's kind of returned. Maybe it's kind of returned back, regressed back to the mean in terms of how good they are. Um, and the thing I would say is between the Mariners and Orioles is I know what the Mariners do well. And I'd ask, like, what do the Orioles do, do well, basically? Looking at the stats, like, they're 25th in the league in batting average at 233. Granted, the Mariners are down there too, but at least the Mariners are good at getting on base. They're ninth there. Orioles are 25th in on base percentage. The Mariners are like our head of the Orioles in any meaningful stat that I could find. Like slugging percentage, Mariners are better. Home runs, Mariners are better. The Mariners are fifth in the league right now in ERA, 3.53. The Orioles are like middle of the pack on there. And again, the Mariners have the least amount of errors in the league as well so like in every meaningful stat in every phase of the game the mariners do do something well they get on base they have a really good particularly their starting pitching is very good and then they field really well they minimize mistakes i think that's a good that's a combination for a playoff team there's they have this uh hold of the second ale wild card spot i believe um and that's just a recipe for success where the orioles it feels just looking at like their body of work it feels like a fluke that they went on a 10 game winning streak for me what do others think? Yeah, the Mariners starting pitching has been just incredibly consistent, I feel like. Or like one through five, they're they're pretty good. Um, and Robbie Ray, I think, was initially their big like offseason acquisition was a little bit rough early in the season, but has kind of calmed down as a whole. They're really good there. Um, and defensive, the Orioles, although like if you look at the whole season, their stats aren't that great over the last, over the, you know, last month or so they have been really good in a bunch of areas i mean that's that's why they're winning i guess uh, but they're like 
they have the league best 2.52 ERA since June 16th and, and stuff like that. So they, they have really been coming on strong and they're a team kind of like the Mariners that has a very strong farm system. And so they're just going to get stronger. Um, but I think that the, I agree that the Mariners are more likely to persist in how good they are just because the Orioles division is absolutely brutal. Yeah. Like the Orioles are still, I think in fifth in the AL East just because of how good everyone else is. You have the best team in baseball at the moment in the Yankees, even though they're kind of slowing down a little bit. Then you have the Rays and the Blue Jays and the Red Sox all ahead of them. So I still think the Orioles, despite how good they are, are sellers at the trade deadline, mm. despite of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, too, like, I agree that the Mariners are the more likely of the teams um, to have success. But I do think what the Orioles is, are doing, just, like, in the context of everything, is much more impressive than what the Mariners are doing. The Orioles had the worst record in baseball last year. Um, the Mariners were a borderline playoff team last year. Um, plus, the Orioles have the lowest payroll in all of baseball, and they're still doing this. I mean, the, the stat is always that, like, if you take out Chris Davis's contract, who's no longer playing for them, they collectively make less than Max Scherzer does for the Mets this season. Their entire roster. So I like the Orioles that are a rich owner. So I, I yeah. <laughs> I think Scherzer is making about forty-three million this year. Yeah. And uh, the Orioles are making total thirty. The active players are making thirty-nine million combined. That's on crazy. The Orioles. So that I mean that considered and also considered like like what Aiden referenced, they are playing in the best division in baseball with the lowest payroll with a team that finished that had the worst record last year. To turn that around and being at least like an average to maybe even good team, I think is super impressive. I I have some I can basically paraphrase an athletic article I read where they gave a lot of good stats about this to piggyback off of what Lucas just said. Um yeah. There are five teams that have ever been this bad over a three-year stretch. None of them came close to having a 10-game 10, 10, uh, 10 win streak. So that's one thing. No team – or wait, one team ever lost 110 games or more and then had a double-digit win streak, and that team played in the, in the 19th century. <laughs> so it doesn't even count. And then the, the funniest thing is that they had this win streak at the same time that they picked first – overall in the draft Mm -hmm. so i agree with everybody else who's saying it's more impressive just because it's so unexpected for a team this bad to suddenly be good the fluke it's like a march madness run yeah but a fluke is more impressive right because Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense how about a team that has a history of inventing ways to lose games then (laughs) all of a sudden becoming a playoff team versus the classically successful baltimore (laughs) they they have not had a longer drought than they were good when Buck they Showalter not, was their manager. No, they, they made the, the ALCS, yeah, yeah, like six or seven years ago. Yeah, I yeah, think. So, yeah, I mean, they've been decently good decently recently. This is like Marquette making it to the Sweet 16. Or not Marquette. Um, <laughs> yeah. Somebody more, like, obscure. Richmond. <laughs> Insert obscure team. <laughs> yeah. What was it? What was it? Like, St. Peter's? Was that the Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, what, nice. that's what I was looking yeah. for. Colgate. Did they even? I don't know. They were a name. No, they they were a name. Rip Colgate, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I will take take this chance to plug too. I always think the Orioles have one of the best logos and uniform combinations in all of sports. Really? Yeah. yeah, you owe them nothing. I you just want to plug. <laughs> I, no, I agree with that. I also think they have. I think Camden Yards is a great park. Having not been oh. there, I think. It's, 
one no, of the no. cooler parks to watch on tv mm-hmm. having yeah, been just, there uh, i'll plug it as a top three three park i've okay. been to how many parks have you you know what maybe we're getting off top yeah <laughs> that's okay i think like 10 yeah you know oh, oh okay yeah. one of the interesting things about the orioles this year is that like their um general stats have been good only over the past month or so but something that's been surprisingly good the whole season is their bullpen uh which is not something you associate with a team that is bad i feel Mm -hmm. like traditionally teams that are bad and have low payrolls have terrible bullpens because they're not gonna pay for it and that they don't care to some degree because they're not gonna be contending Um, like if you look at four of the top six teams in terms of bullpen era You've got the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Braves. That's like, those are probably all top five teams at the moment in baseball. And then you've got the Orioles also there. They've been good the whole season, which is just very random to me. Um, so so good for the Orioles bullpen. Shout out. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, I did read that they have the fifth toughest remaining strength of schedule, so it will fall apart yeah. soon, I'm sure, but it's fun while it's it lasted. Fun. 162 games, anything can happen. Or 82, yeah, however yeah. many's left. We'll 81. <laughs> we'll Chaos. take over the Yankees. Just just wait. Yeah. <laughs> 18 games behind is nothing. <laughs> yeah. You know what's crazy, too? The Mariners are still nine games out of first place, even yeah. despite this. The Astros all you need is a wild card. Yeah. Just Honestly, card everyone else in the AL West has been super lame, so... Yeah. Um, especially <laughs> the Angels, in terms of teams that were initially <laughs> exciting, and then... You know, they got beat up by the Mariners under... <laughs> on the uh-huh. field and in the brawl. Yeah, there are a few things that make me more happy than the Angels just being terrible. <laughs> You're happy about that? I'm not happy I think about it's Mike funny. Trout's I feel bad for wasted. Mike Trout and for Otani. Yeah, I know um, Otani. But the fact that they just like keep buying talent <laughs> and not finding success yeah. is mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, it is a little funny. They're heading towards one of the worst records in baseball at this point. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! And yeah, like ever, they fired Joe Madden at some point, and they've just gotten oh. worse. It just keeps going downhill. And like their new manager, Phil Nevin, ex uh, Padres legend, mm-hmm. has like gotten a fight with someone at some point and got oh suspended for like five <laughs> or ten games. So it's it's really Good. things are when it rains, up it pours. In exactly in LA. <laughs> yeah, in LA, in, in, <laughs> yeah. in a famously rainy city. <laughs> That's what they call it, right? The rainy city, LA. <laughs> These days, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, please, as usual, if you have not already, if you're a you know consistent listener and have not already, followed us on Instagram or on TikTok, TikTok at Lunchpail Guys. Um, or followed us, you know, on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. You you mean nothing to us. You have failed us. <laughs> uh, but anyway, please, <laughs> just kidding. We'll we'll forgive you in this stance, and just just please subscribe. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with a second episode this week to talk a little bit of NBA um, and a little bit of the most heartbreaking moments in sports history. So yeah, please please come back. <laughs>